yet. Take your seats! Please, God! Back. Please, can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. And the Oscar goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live presents Losing It Over Leo. We are going pretty much all of Leo's discography or filmography. You can go through his discography too. If he ever releases fire mixtapes, we'll absolutely <laughs> review those. Like on Pitbull level. And yeah, I'd be interested. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, anything lower than Pitbull, like if he does just something that's as good as maybe like Kanye West. Mm, yeah, um, that would be interesting. Uh, today is a surprise edition. So originally we had not planned to cover this movie, but I feel like it's extremely important because this is Leonardo DiCaprio's second Oscar nomination, third Oscar nomination. Um, this movie that we're talking about came out the same year as the last one we talked about, The Departed. Uh, this is Blood Diamond. Came out in 2006, and uh, this is Pierre. You want to tell us what this movie's about? It's it's pretty involved. Yeah, it's uh, it's about um, it takes place in this in Sierra Leone, specifically during the Civil War, which lasted. For about ten years, um, I think it, this it, does this is this movie in like ninety six or is it two thousands? Because they they mentioned Bill Clinton's affair on the news. It feels it feels a little unclear when exactly it is, but I would say late nineties is probably a good guess. Yeah, because um, I don't exactly remember when. Um, yeah, so it, uh, we have we are taken on a a journey with a. Well, I guess it starts with we have a. I think it's his name's Jimon Hanzu. Is that how you pronounce his name? I believe so. I'm. Um, if it isn't, then I'm going to mispronounce his name a lot this time <laughs> too. And I, you know, I'm very sorry for that. And it- yeah, that's fair. Um, he plays a guy named Solomon. Um, he his family is taken from him. Uh, by by the the rebels, the rebel forces, and I think uh, they're the RUF. Yeah, and they are forced to uh, basically. Or, he he is forced to uh, go through uh, lakes or like little or like water and stuff where to find diamonds for for the rebels. Yeah, he they finds... call it. No, go, go ahead. I was gonna say they call it mining, but he's basically prospecting. Yeah, uh, I guess mining is a sound waste. I mean, it was really really bad, but they weren't in a mine. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know <laughs> if it's actually way worse. It's just way different. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so he finds a really big diamond. He hides it. And before he he can get caught hiding it, um, his uh, no the the that rebel group is attacked and they are sent to jail for. Um, and then when he is and there he he is discovered by Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Danny Archer, who is a former military uh, uh, kind of a what, what is he a, a smuggler? He's a he's a smuggler of diamonds. Yeah, and, and it sounds like he was a former child soldier in the south in South Africa. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know. That. 
All right, I didn't get that. It's not a hundred percent clear, but it that's that's what they make it sound like, at least to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, and the, these guys uh, link up and they kind of go on this journey to uh, to get the diamond back um, and and uh, escape basically escape Africa uh, and the, the pain uh, while also trying to get Solomon's uh, family back. So yeah, what, what yeah. did you think of uh, Blood Diamond? Oh, I mean, like if we're just starting out with that, I thought it was really good. I really, really definitely up there in... Um in our rankings and I'll get there at the, we'll get there at the end. Cause that's what we usually save that kind of stuff to the end. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I did too. I, I was really surprised to see that critics weren't that um, uh, interested in it uh, except for the performances. But I really thought, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for like the, the stereotypical blockbuster movie that's done really well. Um, I thought this struck a nice balance, but really real and grueling uh, commentary on the world while also keeping likable characters um, and giving each character like a story, a really good and interesting story arc that that is unexpected in some ways, but expected in others. And uh, it wraps up really nicely. Yeah. Um, so I was reading brief comments by critics who didn't like this. And one of them said that uh, Blood Diamond overcomes poor storytelling with biting commentary and great performances, which... I agree with the last part. I don't think storytelling is very bad. I think the storytelling is pretty good. Like all of the characters fit into fairly stereotypical roles. I wouldn't call them stereotypical characters, but they fit, you know, fairly archetypal roles. Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of the leader of the group. Jimon Honso, you know, the right-hand man, I guess. Uh, Triconnelly plays a character who is also there. Um, and I say that like a joke, but it, she is actually super important. I just don't really know what to put, what archetypal role to put her into. But um, this is those roles really well because it puts these characters into situations where you know it it uses that it uses their uh, use these characters. It sends them through on on a journey, and it keeps putting them into situations that are actually interesting to watch. So I don't know what the bad storyteller. I mean. I guess I just spent a whole minute and a half talking about why this people say it's bad storytelling and in fact <laughs> it's not. So that's not really useful. But I thought that this was actually a really I thought this was uh I thought this was a really well told story is what I'm gonna say. Um it was nothing technically out of the ordinary, but it was just done really well. And I feel like the same way you say you have a uh, you have a thing for well done blockbusters, I like it when a story that has been done a million times is done the million and first time really, really well. And I recognize every part of it, but also really like it. Yeah, I, I think that might be why critics didn't like it. Also in that, like, it it feels the, the start of the movie and feels very different from, like, the end of the movie. And that, like, you're, you, you're kind of, you kind of come into this movie and the way it starts, you're expecting a sad experience uh, that, uh, like, almost like, like, like the characters were going to be tortured throughout the movie and in a way kind of like uh have you seen the movie no nation i have uh, i actually yeah. thought about that movie quite a bit while i was watching this they are yeah. very dissimilar however you know they're both dealing with paramilitary groups in africa so you're gonna make the comparison yeah and then also like the or the the problem the, the problem of child soul slash uh, uh the themes are pretty prevalent in this but uh yeah like if i was to compare them like or if I was to think of another movie that 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 kind of fulfills that role more, it, it's definitely that movie, and I can see why people might have expected 
more of a Beasts of No Nations movie out of Blood Diamond at first. Um, but I honestly don't mind because uh, I, no, I, I, I thought it struck a good balance. Yeah, and Beasts of No Nation was very good, but it was very good for different reasons. Um, and it, like, it was a very different movie. This movie actually does have a subplot wherein Jimon Honso's uh, character, Solomon, his whole family is thankfully not killed, but uh, kidnapped. His wife and his daughter, uh, daughters, are sent to a refugee camp. So maybe they actually got away. I don't know. Um, but his son is kidnapped by the RUF, the bad guys, the rebels, and becomes a child soldier, like very quickly becomes a child general in their army. Um, so we're getting, as we're getting this story with Leonardo DiCaprio and Solomon, uh, heading towards heading, trying to find this diamond, we're getting a parallel story of Solomon's son, um, and just his experience being a child soldier now, all of a sudden, which is not the same as Beasts of No Nation, but like Beasts of No Nation is taking that plot and turning it into a full movie. And they're, they, the plot, the, uh, really a lot of things about that are similar beyond just the theming, I would say. Yeah, that's the, but I, I, I will like, I don't, I guess I didn't want that from this. No, and I'm, I'm very glad that this movie didn't make that the focus. Uh, yeah. I, I liked what they did with that plot line because I thought it was pretty, I thought it was a pretty powerful plot line. Um, technically, I guess it falls apart a bit at the end, but it does that in service of the other plot lines. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. I, yeah I'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Um, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, you want to talk about Leo a bit? Like, we think of him. Um, I was, I already expected to like Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie, and I was surprised at how much I liked him. I mm -hmm. really, really liked this character. Uh, for one, he had a great accent. I don't know how Leo does it with accents, but like he's able to make something that sounds authentic and is so unique. Like I've, I guess I've never heard a white Zimbabwean accent, but <laughs> that's what that's what he's doing in this. Scene. Yeah, it, it did. I, it bothered me at first a lot, but and I was like, oh come on, Leo. Like I thought thought you'd be pretty good at this, but it honestly like really synced up well at the end. Uh, like or it. He he made it work, I guess. After my mind yeah. kind of like let let it let go, let it go, because it is such a a different accent to hear, like, like especially from like a white actor. Yeah, um, it's it's really strange too because it's not even a South African accent. Uh, he sounds almost South African, but not quite, which is really strange. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he played that really well. I I I also like just it was a very like I would say this was kind of like blockbustery role yet, like. As, as oh, in definitely. terms of, like, he's, like, an action hero. Um, even though, like, the way... See, I, I really liked how they, they wrote him because, honestly, I didn't... I never really knew where his character... As in, like, yeah. I, I kind of knew... Like, he... he like, I, I think a very apt comparison would be, like, he's kind of like Han Solo at the start where he's, like, literally a smuggler that um, has experience huh. with, like, killing people and stuff, I guess. But in this sense, though, in this movie, like... Where with Han Solo, I think he kind of turned into the hero in a really quick and like fun way. Leo's character, we never, we kind of see like where his pain comes from, but then also like we don't really, we're never really sure where his character, at least well, I up, wasn't, I wasn't entirely the, sure. Yeah, up until the final minute, I would never have called Leo's character a smuggler with a heart of gold, like, you know, like Han Solo is. And even in the final minute, like he's, he's doing what he can, but he's still not. 
a morally great he's still not a morally perfect person he, there's there's that moral grayness throughout and along with hearing bits in his past all the way through and sort of understanding this character he's a really well fleshed out guy or character yeah and uh just that constant tension internal tension that you sense from him is like nothing you really something i never really see especially nowadays from from a bigger blockbuster i guess mm -hmm. uh, the, the character arc of becoming a better person is usually resolved after like the second act or about the, the end of the second act. yeah and, I, uh, i'm tr i'm gonna try and think of like what a modern version a more modern version of that is but offhand nothing comes to mind i was thinking like maybe like i kind of thought robert downey in a way um with the iron man because like he he was like and like obviously i think the characters are pretty different but like they're both characters that kind of they profit from violence and they they find ways to kind of excuse themselves for it because they believe you know like they're doing like they're not they're doing they're doing the right thing in some ways or i guess in leo's case it's more like everyone else is or everyone else is bad so why should he yeah, I wouldn't even call Iron Man comparable, except maybe, well, not quite, because in every single one of his movies, he's doing exactly what you said, or in every single one of the movies that I can think of where he's in, with one possible exception, like doing exactly what you said, where he kind of has a turn to a good guy fairly quickly at a specific important point. And he still continues to grow as a character after and before that, and like, he's never purely morally good but he's 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 good intentioned pretty quickly in iron man one in iron man two in iron man three in most of the avengers movies the only one that i can think of where there's like sort of the same moral quandary is most of civil war uh where iron man like you don't have to see iron man as the bad guy in that whole thing but he's very much closer like he's very much more on the edge in in that movie until the very end and maybe even beyond the very end yeah yeah i, I could civil see war of leo movie <laughs> essentially yes uh but yeah i i wouldn't Speaking say which, though oh. oh sorry i i wouldn't no. say though that like his acting like this is one of the first or another instance i guess also with a part of where his acting didn't really carry them which was nice no, actually this is a really nice place to uh transition from this because i thought th this was to me the first movie where i saw so We've seen several movies so far where I I want to say that Leo as an actor was elevated by being in the same movie as other great actors. And the and basically by the fact like in this boy's life, um, Leo was much more impressive as an actor for the fact that one, he was, I mean, he's already a great actor, but he was acting alongside Robert De Niro and fully held his own. Uh, he had the same thing going for him in Gilbert Grape with Johnny Depp. And um, in, to some degree, in Gangs of New York with, um, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis. So, like, I always felt that his performance or his performance ended up seeming even better than it was because he was holding his own against these great actors. And this is the first movie where I thought that Leo did that for a different actor. And that is Jimon Hanso. I thought that Jimon Hanso was already fantastic in this. But he completely held his acting alongside Leonardo DiCaprio. And I thought that that made him, and like, I thought that Leonardo DiCaprio, a big get for this movie. And Jimon Hanso is a, is a bit of a surprise for being able to, you know, knock it out of the, he did alongside Leo. Yeah, I, he, he absolutely murdered like every scene he was oh, yeah. in. You really, you really buy into the emotional arc this character takes and kind of the, the, sh like the shitty spot he's, he's in and that like, he's, he's kind of like, 
like he's kind of like a person with a lot of power, but like no power, if that makes sense. Because everyone needs him, but everyone doesn't really need him also. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like everyone's just trying to manipulate him. And he's like, you kind of have this very innocent character who just wants his family back thrust into this uh, political and, and economic or like, it's like a world full of greed. Well, yeah, he's he's a simple fisherman who finds a diamond and by the end of the movie has influenced world politics. Essentially, so like, yeah. Yeah, it's this character that technically should have so much power, but he's at everyone else's mercy, like you're saying, yeah. And then every, every scene he has like uh, with his son or about his son really makes you buy into the character's grief too. Because like, on, honestly, it might not have worked if, if that wasn't well acted because it might have just, it might have felt eventually kind of tiresome. Oh, you that, like, feel him hurting in almost every scene, even when he's not actively doing it because he's so good at delivering those emotional speeches when they happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that. That really helped. Because I think like the repetition of this character, because his character is like, was very simple. He wanted to get his son back after after all of it you know and the diamond was just kind of a way to help him get his family back even though he did profit from it a lot as well and so uh but like i think the thing with this is that like there's like repetition can either really help or like him repeating his objective a lot like throughout the movie can either really help the audience relate to him or also just be really annoyed with it because mm. you know this guy he's just like like you know they're he's like because he he honestly was kind of inconvenienced a lot and he gets them killed he almost gets them killed a few times just like once it was because he, he thought he might have seen his son yeah and he almost gets like him and leo killed oh that's uh, a really good scene too because he hides out they they both hide out for the night and when he wakes up in the morning, Leo throws like a half-skinned baboon at him, being like, never, never betray me again. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the time I'd be like, like, what a fucking idiot. I can't believe he would do this. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be mad at him because like just the way he expressed that you could just see like nothing else matters. Uh, I can totally understand why he would risk his life just to catch a glimpse of his. Yeah. So. And then right after that, he has another big emotional speech where he goes the wrong way specifically to go see his son, even yeah. though even though like that will also get them killed. Yeah. And it's just like that amazing. Uh, I think those scenes also reinforce Leo's character because Leo's just trying to not get killed. Right. And he will do whatever it takes to get that diamond alive. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And it becomes like a really, he kind of goes back and forth with a really threatening person that doesn't really care about Solomon. Um, but then also like you also feel this like, undercurrent of effect not affection but just like sympathy i guess mm -hmm. so it's like that that really improved leo's character in that like we felt for him in that you know we're like this guy it makes sense because he doesn't want to die but then also this guy's kind of being an asshole this guy just wants his son and that that like conflict that at the last third of them was so good um to watch interesting because like they were both right obviously they're both right and they both had their own reasons. You really, you you really liked both characters. So yeah, great great stuff from both actors. Uh, there's also a uh, oh crap, what's her name? Jennifer, Jennifer. No, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she she has a a decent sized role in this. She she was in it a lot in like the first half, and then just kind of disappears in the second half. I think but, the movie maybe this is where crit maybe this is one of the things critics didn't love about it. I think the movie does her a bit of a disservice by making her, by the end, kind of hopelessly fall in love with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Danny Archer. Um, mm -hmm. But until then, she's 
a pretty decent driving force in the movie, at least in the early parts. Yeah, I, I like honestly, I can kind of, I think like her going along with them would have made the the last the last half or the last third of the movie too blockbustery because then you kind of get this Indiana Jones esque action adventure. Uh, I think when you add like a character that doesn't really have much attached to the to the quest other than being in love, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, so like I am, and it, it wouldn't have been believable in my opinion to have her. She probably would have just died, uh, and that no, she wasn't a skilled fighter. Yeah, she definitely should. She it was definitely correct, I guess, to not send her into a war zone with the other two at the end. But on the other hand, it just sort of like her her exit was kind of, I guess, sort of uneventful. I'm not really sure. Um, she, I, I guess, let's let's talk about more when she was actually in the movie. Sure. Yeah, I did like I did really like her when she was in. The, I thought she uh, was really good. Yeah. Yeah, she she was a nice foil to Leo. Um, her character was really interesting, and in that and like the dynamics with Leo are really cool, and that like they're both. They both seem like they want to do the right thing, but they're not entirely sure how, or they don't have the tools to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just kind of like attack each other for their faults, even though they both are pretty similar in their faults. Uh, but then also, um, I thought she had like some pretty good chemistry with them. I, I liked how they never actually kissed. I thought I thought it was nice because again, like I, that's the thing. This movie really played the line with being a a stereotypical blockbuster or not because there's a couple scenes where they were kind of set up to kiss but mm-hmm. then they didn't and i was really happy though because it would have felt pretty inorganic um, yeah and also uh i think the because of her not being in the last half of the movie for the most part the way she her, her character kind of comes in at more at the end also feels uh I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting yeah, I, way to structure it. Yeah, so uh, her character, Maddie Bowen, is a journalist. I don't know if I said that. I feel like we probably did. But um, this movie kind of sets it up where all three of the main characters, Danny Archer, Solomon Vandy, and Maddie Bowen, all need each other for very, very different reasons. So Maddie needs Solomon because without Solomon, her story has no impact. Maddie needs Danny because without Danny, her story doesn't mean anything because... Uh, he's the one that has all of the verifiable info, while Solomon is the emotional heart of it. Solomon needs both of them to, um, because of their connections, to get to get his family back and then get his family out of Sierra Leone. And Danny needs Solomon to get the get the diamond, and needs Maddie because she's the romantic interest. So obviously. Um, <laughs> and gosh, I forget where I was going with that, but basically, we sets it up so that. All three of these characters are really important despite um, because of and despite any any archetypal things they may have. I just I'm going to keep coming back to this. I really like how this movie sets itself up to be a very generic action movie. And then I'm not going to say subverts that, but uses all of those cliches to make a really good. Movie. Yeah, that's and I've, I've honestly never really I can't think of another movie to do it that's so effective yeah because um, most of the actions i'm thinking of you know you have one hero and realistically if you cut out everyone else on the good guy side he could probably do everything himself and this movie like it it really drives home i think part of what this movie is trying to drive home the powerlessness of literally everyone in this movie because like danny archer is a smuggler because he's stuck in the situation where that is the best option available to solomon vandy 
has all of the information and technically all the power to, like I said, at the end, at the end, he influences world politics. But until then, he has to go along with everyone else because he has nothing. Uh, Maddie Bowen is a journalist who can do, who can make literally no impact without, you know, any of these people. So it really sets up all of these characters as completely powerless, even though they're the main characters in an action be, and by that token, should be the most powerful people in the world. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a couple of scenes I really like that showcase that. There's a one scene where uh, they're, I, I can't remember, they were kind of like trapped by the, uh, I don't know if they were soldiers, but these people with this machine guns or AKs, and they were kind of in this awkward scene where uh, Solomon, Solomon was trying to convince them to lower their weapons, but they didn't seem to be answering. They're about to shoot, and then Jennifer Connelly's character comes in and uh, starts taking pictures of them to distract them. Uh, and that works. Yeah, I, I, and it works. And I didn't, I feel like it was a little easy, but I actually like really liked that scene. Uh, it was a really cool way of having her character add a lot of, like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but like, I find the problem with a lot of stereotypical blockbusters is they have the female uh, companion, in this case, it's Jennifer Connelly, um, not really have much I want to say to the characters. Yeah, I would say either. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say either they have the female companion be entirely useless or a very stereotypical badass that does nothing interesting except that she can also punch people. Yeah. And yeah, so I I didn't I I loved how because not only like they her her skill in that sense, what in that scene wasn't something like that was a stereotypical woman trait or whatever that I feel like these other movies, uh, it, it was very much like she used a skill that she had, which was being a journalist and being like politically and socially aware. And she used it to, to protect them and, and get them kind of moving forward from, from that bad situation. And that's not something any of the other characters could have done because they don't have anywhere close to like her, her expertise in that certain role. And yeah. It didn't, it was like a really smart moment too, because it was just kind of like, you didn't know if it was going to work or there's a lot of tension in that. Uh, like there's a lot of risk in that, in that part too, which made it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, that, the, that particular scene that you're mentioning also plays a lot into the theme, into one of the themes of this movie, which is that no one cares about this civil war. Uh, like on a, on a world scale, no one knows about this or cares about it that much. Like the diamonds that, this civil war is to some degree about, uh, by which I mean, like, even if it's not necessarily about the diamonds, that's what's funding this war. Um, people just don't care. They, they're, they're just happy to have their diamonds and uh, pay whatever it costs and whatever. Like, no one knows anything about uh, Sierra Leone. So that scene in particular, her offering to show pictures of these people from Sierra Leone is... It, it 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 doesn't explicitly, but it kind of subtly plays into um, just that theme as well of all it ne- all it takes is for the world to actually care about it. Yeah, that's true. It it really did, and then that all kind of tied into the end as well. I think sort of it could have tied in maybe a little better, but oh for sure because um, I felt like that was a very hidden theme of this movie, even if it wasn't. I mean, it was never. It's it's one of those things where like if you could have asked the movie, it would have been like yeah, absolutely, but. It wasn't like it wasn't like very overt 
at all. Yeah, so that didn't really... I, I wasn't really bothered by that. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I don't I don't really know what much else to say. Like, I would say the directing was, like, just solid. I wouldn't say it was anything special. They had some good, I think, well-directed action. Uh, like, the shaky cam, I noticed it, but I don't think it was bad. I thought it was just pretty well. And they never, they never really attempted to over-choreograph ridiculousness, so... Uh, it really helped maintain the realism of of the project, and again, like kind of straddling that that barrier between blockbuster and not. Um, there was no points where I was like, "Oh, they should never have gotten out of the nation. That was ridiculous." Uh, it, it towed that line um, again and again, and yeah, and I, I but I, I thought like it looked nice. It had some pretty good effects, like the gun, the gunplay and stuff was was kind of cool and enjoyable, even though it wasn't like brutally realistic, which I didn't really mind, especially after seeing. The Five Bloods, which I thought used that to excess. Did, did you have any other thoughts? No, I mean, not really. I would say on your point, uh, like the the directing was technically nothing special. And um, I, I mean, I agree that, yeah, I, I, I agree mostly with that. But I think that that's another place where this movie just uses fairly generic concepts really to its advantage. It played into making a generic action movie and the... You know, the performances obviously helped a hell of a lot with, but on the other hand, like the, the fact that it was shot like an action movie made this, I don't know if this is just, well, not, I don't know if this is just because I've seen so many Leo movies at this point, or if this is because, um, it was actually nice to see, but like, I felt that it, it, it felt so nice to watch an action movie, like a almost generic action movie, or at least something with all the trappings of one over like a big long prestige movie even though he's like three hours long yeah it's actually like insanely long I, it, it felt way shorter than i than i thought it was yeah yeah, yeah. so that it was like paced extremely well i didn't even think of that actually because it, it honestly kind of feels like an hour and a half movie and when it yeah, ended it i is. was like oh no it like it felt like it was ending but it's two and a half hours yeah so that's it's really crazy how they were able to work with that um which was awesome but uh yeah overall like I don't have much else to say. This was honestly like very close to perfect in that I don't think this movie was trying to be deeper than it had to be. Um, it it like it it could have been more ambitious, I guess, but like it wasn't trying to be, and I don't I never I don't really think I wanted it to be. So no, I think uh, that it was pretty good at the ambition that it was. Yeah, so it kind of set out what it needed to do, and like I, I experienced a wide range of things watching it. There was some cute funny scenes, not too much though, like. And the humor was very subtle, uh, terrifying scenes, disturbing scenes, and really emotional scenes. So um, yeah, I, I like give this movie like probably like a nine out of ten, maybe a nine point five. Uh, I think I very, remember saying very, very for AB. Oh, sorry, finish. It just I was just saying, saying it, was, it was very very good. I was gonna say I think I gave the Aviator an eight, and I'm gonna give this movie the same. I'm gonna also give this movie like an eight, a, a solid eight, maybe like an eight and a half or a nine. Yeah. I like uh, yeah. this movie a lot. Yeah, same. I and I, I honestly did not think I would enjoy it, so I'm really happy I watched it. Um, but in terms of Leo, what what would you rate it on a Leo uh, scale? On a, on a Leo scale, I'm gonna put this actually pretty high. Like I think that uh, I don't remember what I gave Aviator, but I'm gonna say this was on par with that as well. I'm gonna put this as a Leo scale of let's say eight and a half, eight and a half out of ten. I thought this was really good. Nice. All right. Cool. Yeah, I, I'd say about the same. Um, I'm, I'm he say, didn't take over the movie, but it was a very enjoyable. I'm gonna say like 
this isn't really a caveat, but like there's some roles where you can really, really pushing himself. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was really pushing himself in this movie, but he was also doing a really good job. Like he, he pushed himself where he had to. I mean, basically I'm saying he put on an accent, which he didn't necessarily need to do, but he did and he did it well. But in terms of everything else, I thought that I really thought that this, that this role from Leonardo, like, this Leo role, I really compared to um, sort of in, in presence in the movie. I think it was very similar to Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York. Like, he really was the top dude in this, and he just owned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, another great pick by Leo, too. Um, I would mm-hmm. say this was probably one of his harder picks in that, you know, like after doing a movie with Spielberg and then like three in a row with, uh, with Scorsese, it, it's pretty cool that he took a risk. Um, on this director who, like, oh, actually, no, I guess his last movie before The Last Samurai, which was, like... Uh, was he in The Last Samurai? Oh, Edward Swift. No, Swig's the director, left. yeah, okay. yeah. So, and that that was pretty well received. So, I, I guess, like, that that might have helped in deciding it, but um, but still, like, I, I think this was a more interesting pick for him in that he was not, for the first time in a while from i from what i i can tell he he's not working he's not just picking up a script from like a really acclaimed director and is like kind of mm-hmm. guaranteed like an amazing movie um this is definitely yeah. more of a risk for him where he could it could have been a bad movie um but he he picked the script really well and like the director pulled i would really like to know what he um what leo's other options were as, uh, um like at the same time as this uh like what what did he pick this movie instead of would be really interesting to learn yeah maybe uh well like this was the same year as the departed did, did he get nominated yeah. for both movies like he got he did not he got nominated for blood diamond he did not get nominated for the departed oh okay, the departed cool. won best picture but leo was not nominated for that movie mark oh, okay. Wahlberg that's, was there oh that's a little weird i don't know about i mean that. i i love the fact that that happened but like it is strange. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was like a huge, strong role by him, but I don't know. I don't know what other uh, uh, nominee. Let me just check quickly. Uh, oh, so Ryan Gosling. Best... Wait. G-mon... Mark Wahlberg, oh. Eddie Murphy, Jimon Honsu, Jackie Earl Haley, and Alan Arkin for Best Supporting Actor, which, like, Alan Arkin should have won that year. He did a great job in Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, but I need after to see that, that movie. It's really good. Uh, yeah, after okay. that, I would. I honestly even know. Well, actually, I'm not sure if he should have won because Jimon Hanso. I really thought he brought it heavy in there. So, like, I, I would have been really I'm, happy. I, I'll watch Little Miss Sunshine maybe weekend um, just to see. But I really think Jimon Hanso <laughs> should have really been considered. But, I mean, he was uh, considered yeah. technically. I mean, honestly, considered like, like yeah, yeah. Like, instantly should have won me. But I, but I do also, need to watch the other one. I'm also going to be real from The Departed. The only Oscar-worthy performance I like. If I'm if I'm thinking anyone in there to get an Oscar, the only ones I can think of are maybe Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg. I really That's... think that Mark Wahlberg brought it in that movie. He didn't do anything that was necessarily special for Mark Wahlberg, but he did it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see uh, I can see why Leo, I guess, wasn't directed. Uh, but I'm really happy he was nominated, and I'd for say sure. he did a better job than uh, any actor I can think of from uh, The Departed off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, I thought uh, yeah. That this was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so what's our next, what's the next in the Leo lineup? The next movie is going to be our final episode from the mid-period of Leo. We're going to talk about his first collaboration with Christopher Nolan. It's going to be oh. Inception. Oh, man, I'm, I'm excited for so this movie. I'm so excited, yeah. 
This is a, that was like another like pretty crazy pick. I would never have guessed it would end up. I'm not gonna lie. And yeah, Nolan is Nolan seems selected. How many That's actors true. have been in multiple Nolan? Ah, uh, he he actually usually picks the same like Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Anne Hathaway, Tom Hardy. So, oh yeah, okay. he, okay. he usually he usually picks like like he'll have two movies that kind of have the same actor back to back. Um, like oh. uh, Dark Knight Rises and uh. Inter actually no Inception Interstellar and Dark Knight Rises had a lot of like similar cast members I think or is it just yeah, Anne Hathaway Anne, and, uh, yeah Anne Hathaway and then they had Dun or Tom Hardy and Dunkirk as well actually his newest movie I can't tell like I don't think he's worked with any of before other than Michael Caine obviously you know he's he's on all of uh Nolan's well I mean movies. you don't you don't know it's a Nolan movie Michael Caine that's true yeah <laughs> there's no there's no other. <laughs> There's no other way to describe a Nolan movie other than Michael Caine's in it. <laughs> yeah, what's a good Nolan? Um, what? How would you describe a Nolan movie? Well, it's got Michael Caine in. <laughs> yeah. He was in Inception yeah. too, wasn't he? Uh, Tom Hardy. Very no, Michael Caine. Oh very yeah, yeah. Briefly, but he is. Yeah, very memorable. <laughs> but yeah, he he was in it. But yeah, I, I think it's a cool it's a cool pick for Leo. I because it's kind of like these are kind of two blockbuster more blockbuster oriented movies back to back. Um, at least that we're talking about. You mean I, Inception, I right? Yeah, Inception and, yeah. and Blood Diamond, uh, where he's taking kind of the lead action hero. Yeah. Which is really cool to see. And I, I kind of wish uh, DiCaprio worked with, or got to work with, um, uh, just in terms of... And I guess what's interesting about uh, Inception is, do you remember Shutter Island? Because we're not going to talk about it in this series, but we'd like I'd like to get to it eventually. Uh, Shutter Island is actually a very similar role, I thought, Inception, which uh, I think was... I think those movies came at Shutter Island and then right afterwards, Inception. Yeah, I guess they are produced. Like, they're both uh, movies where, like, the, the main character is uh, kind of playing, like, a, a generic, like, action or a generic character. And that, like, Shutter Island, he's playing, like, a detective. In Inception, he's playing, like, the lead heist, the leader of the heist. Um, but in both cases, they're they're really haunted by, like, the ghosts of their past, and they're trying to find ways to deal with it. Yeah, so. and not only the ghosts of their past, but they're, like, basically fighting with what is reality, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah well, so anyway. Uh, actually, no, I'll talk soon. But yeah, uh, we'll see you for Inception uh, next week. Yeah, next week we've got Inception, and then we will rank all six of these movies from Leo's career, from Leo's second period of his... Exciting. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. See you then.